I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Isn't it, Mike? Isn't it? Admit it. Admit it. I will. And in fact, I'll even admit that it's episode number 55. That's a lot of episodes. It is. But oddly, we don't celebrate that way. We celebrate the annual birthday, which is in two more weeks for 52. Hooray for us. Hooray. Or something. Anyway, how are things in Toronto, Carrington? Things are awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Life is grand. Having fun, playing games. Everything's great. What about you? Oh, we're doing all right. Doing all right. Cool. Nobody cares about that, though. So let's just get right to the feedback and hear about what they do care about. Well, we got lots of feedback this week. Lots and lots and lots. And we're recording a little later than usual. So I think that added to the feedback. Well, I'll take it away, Carrington. Well, first, we should start with uh, some feedback we got by email from Egan, who wrote with the subject WRONG in all caps and directed mostly at me. Well, and then- he In that case, I'm very happy about it. (laughs) Yes, he writes, Carrington incorrectly stated that the Apple II version of Loadrunner, of the Loadrunner, the dude could only dig in the direction he was facing. However, he points out that on start, press Control K to use the keyboard, then use IJKL for direction and UO for left and right uh, digging. This is clearly the best way to play. UO will change your direction after the dig. Perhaps that is what Carrington recalls. Plus one on Lunar, Lunar Lander, the game where I dropped my first quarter. Oh, how cute. Thanks for the show. <laughs> so I think I wasn't wrong. Now, yeah, though he's right, <laughs> that, that is correct. On the Apple II, you can dig in either direction. But I thought that's what I said the first show. And then Flack wrote in to say it was one of the disadvantages of the home versions was that you couldn't dig the way you were facing. But I think that was only in the Commodore version because the Commodore version is kind of crappy because Commodore is kind of crappy. So you're <laughs> just going to blame everybody else for your errors then? Is that how the show is going to go? I probably did say that you could only <laughs> dig in the direction you're facing. But I knew that you could dig the other way because the Apple II is my favorite version. I just often say nonsense. In last week's show, uh, you I distinctly remember you saying that on the Apple II, you could only dig in the direction that you were facing. And I oh. thought in my head, I think that's wrong, but I'm not going to stick my neck out and say that, that he's wrong in case he's right. And then people write in and say that I'm wrong about Carrington being right. And I'm dragging was, you down with me, dude. I would much rather people like Data Jerk, uh, Egan Ford, write in and tell me that Carrington is wrong. It helps boost my self-esteem and my ego. Carrington is wrong. You think it's – I remember – when we were talking about that, too, in the last show, the feedback, remember even thinking, oh, I think I just said something incorrect, but I barrel on. <laughs> a lot of times I'm saying one thing, but I'm sort of queuing up in my brain the next thing I'm going to say. So I don't really listen to me when I talk. So nobody else should either. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. If, if if you think that you're wrong and you realize that you're saying something that's incorrect, just steamroll right on through it and move on before anyone can correct you. That is kind of my technique. Yes. I think in the, I think in the United States Senate, they call that filibustering. <laughs> Ah, excellent. Well, I'm going to bust some fillers. Well, and I wish that my wrong this week was as small as your wrong this week. However, <laughs> my wrong was much bigger than yours. Ooh. And for for once, this is not a good thing. You see, last week I made some disparaging remarks about Brian Cullen, who most of you probably know as the creator of Rampage, which was a game that we talked about recently. And then when he had an AMA on Reddit, Carrington, you harassed him a little bit. and I did. We talked about it and... and you made some excuses as to why 
Ralph might be okay after all. And I didn't make excuses. And he made I came, excuses. <laughs> I came in and made it worse and said, I, I think I said that he was lazy and <laughs> and uh, a poor programmer or something like that. I suspect and, you were joking. <laughs> and then you said something like, are you sure you want to be saying that? And I said, well, it's not like he's listening anyway. This is where I was wrong because shortly after we posted the show, within minutes, I think, <laughs> after we posted that show, I got a, a tweet from from his Twitter account saying, you'd be surprised who's listening. And then I thought, oh, no. <laughs> and then it went on to, I got a couple of more tweets from him. It's very, he was very tongue in cheek and I'm sure he was fine with it. He seemed to be taking it all in stride and with good humor because he's a big famous developer and we're nobodies. And so it's funny, but yeah, he, he was listening. And, and um, so Brian, I'm very, very sorry. Please come on the show and, and publicly humiliate me or just come on the show and talk about Rampage. We do love you. Um, even though I still don't think we love Ralph all that much. <laughs> I'm still a bigger fan of George. <laughs> I'm a George player all the way. As as with any multiplayer game like that, I'm a fan of whatever character has the joystick on the left because I'm left-handed and there's nothing worse than trying to rub elbows with a right-handed player when you're playing games. I sometimes like to play in the middle because then I can throw my elbows around. That, I suppose, is a good alternative to just reaching around and yanking the cord out when you start to lose. Not that anyone I know would ever do that. Oh, no. No. What else do we have, Carrington? We got lots. Uh, let's see. Mark Johnson wrote on Facebook, Hey, guys, love the podcast. I've been going back through the older ones and found something odd in the Tempest show. You mentioned that Atari made 12 different pinball machines based on their arcade games. Well, Atari did, in fact, make pinball machines. I happen to own one. They only made a total of seven different machines. The last one was made in 1979. I was thinking that maybe Atari had licensed the game likenesses to another company, but I cannot find any info on the Atari arcade game pins. You mentioned um, a website that had a list, but you never mentioned the URL. I'd love to see uh, what these pins were. Thanks. And then you wrote back, blah, blah, blah. We didn't keep show notes. <laughs> and then uh, pointed him to hey. pin, pin Wiki that lists 13 games, but that many of them were just prototypes. So Mark wrote back, being uh, a nice guy, he put up with your nonsense. And he wrote, uh. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking on the Moon Patrol show, someone might have mentioned it, but alas, they did not. You are correct that a lot of the Atari pins were prototypes. The one I have, Airborne Avenger, oh sorry, Avenger, was the first table designed by Steve Ritchie. He went on to design a lot of famous pins like Black Knight. Also, they only made around 350 copies of the Airborne Avenger, which makes it a bit rare. Most Atari pins did not do well in the arcades as they were wide body tables, thus they played quite slow. Uh, they also were very odd in how they were made and not that reliable. Tisk tisk. Look at me rambling on about useless pinball information. I shall put an end to this now. Keep up the good work, guys. Oh, by the way, you can thank Flack for getting me hooked on your show. So that was really nice of him. Thank you, Flack, for spreading the word. And thank you, Mark, for writing in. Really, it doesn't matter because it's pinball. And we don't care about that here. <laughs> he is correct that it was I, it was myself, me, that said that there were... 12 or 13 pins and and I was doing the research it looks like a lot some of those games didn't even get made there were a couple that were only prototypes and a few really so I don't I have no idea where that where I got that number but thank you making for, stuff up yeah pretty much um, I'm, I'm good at that I just make the stuff up and if you call me on it then I'll admit it otherwise we're just going to move right on oh, like we're it. doing right now 
Well, Mark actually wrote again. He wrote, um, oh, he uh, gave us another thing. Man, to, that guy just won't up. shut up. <laughs> no, it was it was really good news. He said, "Hey guys, not sure if you've seen this. If you haven't checked it out, this guy recorded arcade sounds on cassette tape. Oh yeah, love from 1984 this. to love 1988. It. Absolutely. So we'll have a link to this in the show notes. And this this kid, well, I guess he was a kid at the time, went around with a Sony portable cassette tape recorder and recorded him and his friends." playing arcade games in the actual arcades back in the 80s. This went from 1982 to 1988. It's terrific. It's really interesting to listen to this yeah. stuff. He actually donated those tapes to the Smithsonian. So they've been preserved as part of their, I don't know, some exhibit or other. Uh, you can also order a CD of, the, of a high-quality, well, relatively high-quality MP3s. I think they're 192 kbps. Uh, as opposed to what you get if you play them on the page, in which case it's coming through the through a flash player widget at, at like 64k. But really, these recordings are old enough, and it's not like you're listening to classical music where you you need the high quality stuff to get mm-hmm. what's going on. You can stream the recordings one at a time. I didn't find a way to download them, but I don't really think you need to. Check it out; it's great stuff. Yeah, really interesting. And I like how, how at the beginning you'd hear his voice, like as a kid saying, okay, we're here and we're, we're going to now be playing, you know, this game. And you hear the, and the, the sounds of the arcade games really come through clear. It's remarkable how good the individual game sounds sometimes. They do. And what I liked about it especially was you're not just hearing the game sounds like you do with the Arcade Ambience Project. You're actually hearing the kids talk about the games as they're playing them and little boys being little boys and saying, no, you're doing it wrong. Go over here. And you, know, you do this while I do that when they're playing the multiplayer games. Having that commentary really adds an element, I think, to the recording. I agree. Really, really fun. So thanks, Mark, for sending that our way. I listened to a bunch of them, and I really, really liked it. Indeed. Your friends. What else did we get? Oh, what what, friends? My friends? (laughs) Well, it's only because he doesn't know you very well yet. (laughs) Uh, Scott Lambert, who, of course, owns the Underground Retrocade in Chicago, you visited last week. I did. So much fun. He wrote in to say the Sideways Defender game that you referenced in episode number 49 is actually Juno 1st. That was the game, yes, and was super... In fact, I think we had a couple people write in to, to identify what it was. But yes, it was June 1st, and, and uh, oh, Bobby also wrote in Facebook, and he wrote a really nice note with it. He said he just listened to the podcast while working, as usual, and as soon as I heard Carrington mention playing a game in the 60-in-1 JAMA board, I instantly thought, I bet it's Juno 1st. <laughs> and when mention was made of it being similar to Defender, I actually shouted out loud in the van, yay, Juno 1st! <laughs> Guys, you need to put Juno 1st on your list of games to play. A couple of months ago, I attended a meeting organized by members of the JAMA Plus forum, and while there, I played the game for what I thought was the first time. See attached picture of me playing the game. So awesome. I loved it right away and commented to a friend that I couldn't believe I'd never played it before. And as an aside, I felt the exact same way. Uh, So anyway, Bobby goes on to say, the sound in particular blew me away. It reminded me so much of the sound chip Williams used in their pinball and arcade machines in the early 80s. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, I got home that day and I decided to look up the game and found out that it's on a 16-in-1 board. So it seems I had played the game before because I own a 16-in-1 board and when I first got the board, I made a point of having a go at every game on there just to see what they were like. 
which is totally the way I would have done it too. But I had no recollection at all of playing Juno first. So I went and fired up my cabinet and booted the game. The second I started playing it, I realized why I didn't recognize it, recognize that I'd played it before. You see, my girlfriend works nights and sleeps during the day. So I keep the volume on my cabs as low as I can get to make sure <laughs> that it doesn't wake her. What a good boyfriend. Um, uh, and the lack of sound makes all the difference in this game with the volume up loud it's wonderful yet with its quiet it's weirdly dull uh by the way my 61 board now is set to boot instantly into juno first and not the game list <laughs> and i still keep forgetting to use the warp button so i'm still bad at the game and i now keep the volume cranked up and only play it when i'm home alone <laughs> so excellent feedback and i agree like it's it's remarkable that it isn't like, it really does look like a Williams game. It looks and sounds like a Williams game. I love playing it. Definitely goes on the list. We got, I got to get Already Mike there. to play it. Oh, have you? Okay, yeah. It's A bunch of people so actually fun. have requested that. And what was the... Spectar was the number one re- requested game that we played way back when. And we went, wow, that's weird. Juno was number two uh, on that list. And we're getting, obviously, more requests for it now. So I was, I was super hooked right away. Yeah. Look for that in an upcoming episode. Lim Tai Chin, who has been participating on Facebook lately, mm-hmm. uh, he actually has he has a couple of posts. No, he has one post. Uh, posted that uh, if you love Galaga, you might love my new iOS 7 game, Space War HD. Uh, at the time he posted it, he said it was free. Uh, that was a limited time thing. I don't know if it still is. I haven't checked. Let me know what you think. Carrington, have you played this game? I have not, but I did. I only saw the link today. I saw the link like five minutes before we were recording. I posted on Facebook that I hope he remembers us little guys when he becomes the next Namco. So I'm going to race off and get his game. And I think it's really, really awesome that he's that he's done that. Like, that's uh, that's pretty cool, man. I'm looking at the graphics on the iTunes thingy. <laughs> thingy. Yeah, thingy. You know, that thing with the, the stuff. And the graphics look really, really nice. And it looks like the gameplay is probably very similar to Galaga. Uh, definitely an updated interface. It's still, as of this recording, free. I don't know if it will be by the time we release it. So there's no reason not to go over there and grab it right now. Nice. Nice. Very cool. Let me see. What else did we get? Uh, Mark Kirby wrote, I think this actually might have been before our last show, but I forgot to mention it on Facebook. He said, greetings from the UK and a quick message you might want to pass on to your UK listeners. Play Expo is on the 12th to 13th of nope, October. Stop. Stop, stop right there. I, I stopped. We don't talk about things before they happen. We don't? <laughs> no, we're only allowed to... That's our that's our tradition, remember? We talk about neat events and things that people could have done had we talked about them before they happen. But maybe people would like to go to this. We're going to have to wait, and also they're going to have to listen to another podcast then and find out that this is happening on the 12th and 13th of October in Manchester, UK. Uh, otherwise, because if you listen here, you won't find out about it because we don't talk about stuff until after it happens. Okay, then I won't mention that they're going to have 100 classic arcade games Yeah, there. don't mention that at all. And I definitely won't mention that there'll be a link in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Screw you, Mike. <laughs> nope. Not there's at still all. Obvious. <laughs> yep. Okay. Then how about, oh, also from two weeks ago, Michael wrote on Facebook to, and I, I meant to mention this because it was two so weeks, cool. man, we are way behind on that. I know. Feedback. Sometimes I forget things. Uh, I'm going to blame you for all this. There's a life hacker like about building there's lots of little life hackers about you know building your own main machine that kind of stuff this is a little one about how to build a tiny see-through arcade machine with a raspberry pi um <laughs> Uh, running it. So I thought it was really cool because it's, you know, not a huge expense. So if you were looking for a way to build your own little main machine and you didn't want to drop hundreds of dollars on it, then this is a really cool way to do it, whether you make it see-through or not. Um, at least it gives you the background on how to 
put together your own little one and raspberry pis are you know 25 or 35 dollars so it's a, a nice cheap way to run it um let me see what else have we, got? we got tons uh jessica wrote in to uh say that we missed a wood place inc game wood place made clash road and we were saying how they only made the three games right. um and they're all kind of weird well she says we missed a wood place game called fire trap and she sent a, a link to it huh. um saying it's by far the best of their games but it seems to have been left off almost all the lists of their games for some reason it's uh this little fireman climbing up a burning building um and looking at it it actually looks really good too so she says by far that's the one you should check out uh the other three games they made were terrible <laughs> so clash road wasn't terrible we just were terrible at it yes i agree completely yep um, and I and I kind of like King of Boxer, which is one of their fighting games, but I'm bad at that one too. Well, they did they did do business with Data East, which kind of makes them questionable as far as I'm concerned. But I'm looking at the arcade flyer for Fire Trap. The text, of course, is all in Japanese, so I have no idea what it's, what they're saying here. But I have no idea what we're saying. The graphics look really. This sort of looks like is this kind of like a Crazy Climber? If the now, I thought the same thing, fire? Crazy Climber, but buildings on fire and, and a little askew. Exactly. And, yeah, that's what I thought, but I haven't actually played it yet, so I'm going right, to check well, it out. Well, we're going to add that to the list then, and we'll check it out. Yeah, thank you, Jessica. Nice, nice bit of info there, and a um, couple of others. Classy Freddy Blassie wrote in. Um, still love that name. <laughs> in fact, that name is applicable to this week's game, too. So I'm sure, I hope, that uh, Classy, you recognize what this week's game we'll be, we've played is because... Uh, it relates to your name. So anyway, he sent us a couple of photos on Facebook. I'll make sure somehow to link to these photos. It's so hard to link to things from outside Facebook on our show notes. And he says it's a couple of custom made shirts. They've got these images that are actually made from scans from his actual game cart. So it's game cart labels. Uh, there was a space cavern shirt and also a secret quest uh, shirt for the 2600. So and they look super awesome. Well done. They look like professionally produced T-shirts, and maybe Classy Blassie is also a professional T-shirt producer. Well, they so. look like professionally produced T-shirts back in the 80s that have sort of weathered to now. Like, they yeah. really look like a vintage thing. It's it's remarkable how good it is. We should have those to give away on our, our show. Yes, make more, Classy. Give them to us for free. Give me stuff for free, because I don't want to pay for anything. I'm trying to see what else. Oh, Rob O'Hara uh, figured out this week's game. But before we go, that, I did. guess we should say, I know, this one especially. We should at least make mention, though, that unfortunately there's a bit of news, which is kind of sad news, that um, Hiroshi uh, Yamoichi, who was the uh, third president of Nintendo, but I think of as like the main president of Nintendo, uh, he has passed away. So he was the guy behind all of the Nintendo classics because he ran it from, I think, 49 to 2002 two or 2003 the the nintendo arcade golden years were all when he was running the company he's the guy who took him from basically from playing cards to into an arcade powerhouse and was the guy behind the nes and the snes and i think ran it right up into the gamecube years or something but i think of him as the nintendo guy when nintendo was an arcade company right he's the guy who is responsible for making nintendo the company that we know it to be today exactly so he has passed away unfortunately so that is a sad passing for the uh, classic arcade uh, community so bummer but this week's game was not a nintendo game <laughs> because we we cannot see the future and it was indeed picked out of course by rob in fact i think off mic last week we've we mike and i commented well rob's definitely going to know what this one is because <laughs> uh, he and rob wrote on facebook oh you've picked one of my favorites the next episode will be an exciting hour indeed and he is correct we have indeed picked one of rob o'hara's favorites it is my Little Pony Dream Date Edition. 
Here they are, the lovely twice as fancy ponies. I'm Dancing Butterfly. I'm Sweet Tooth. And I'm up, up, and away. Twice as fancy, my little pony. You all look so pretty to me. They're all so pretty, I could never pick a favorite. Sold separately from Hasbro. No, just kidding. My favorite <laughs> game of all time. <laughs> it is Matt Mania, which has nothing to do with people named Matt. Matt like wrestling, wrestling mats. Now, Rob wasn't the only one to guess it correctly. Cinecaster also taunted us on Facebook saying, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you're getting thoroughly dusted by Coco Savage. And the reason he said that is because we suck at this game. He was wrong, though. Absolutely wrong, Cinecaster. Ha! Not. You are completely incorrect. I didn't even get to Coco Savage. (laughs) I was dusted way before him. Coco Savage comes third. Such a difficult game, at least for us. (laughs) I'm too old, Uh, man. I suck. Now, I'll start by saying, game's really fun. It's super fun. It's different than the way Clash Road was making me feel. This game is unreasonably hard. I'm just bad at this game. But it's really good. At first, when I started playing Matt Mania, I started having these horrible flashbacks to to getting my butt kicked at Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and, and fighting games like that. Because it, you can very very easily turn this into a button masher if you want to. Where And when I do that, if I don't have the muscle memory built up, I either am trying to recall the, the button joystick combination moves to do something. And while I'm doing that, I'm getting killed by the opposition. Or I'm just pounding buttons and yanking the joystick all over the place, and that's not working either. That was my technique this time. Yeah, and that's how I kind of started out. And then I started reading a little bit. And I, I should got, have read. I got better at the game. Not because <sighs> not because I got better at the technique of playing Matt Mania, but because there are some tricks and techniques that you can use to, we'll call it, improve your gameplay. Cheat. Wow. <laughs> No, they wouldn't be cheating. You'd be playing properly in a way that I should have read. I instead, I spent a lot of time in this game. I kept thinking, I can learn this on my own. I don't need to read about it. I don't need to go to Twitter and ask people what to do. I was wrong. I should have. I failed miserably. I suck at this game. But before we get into all that, real quickly, the game was written by Technos Japan, which I think that company's done another title or two that we've talked about. I can't remember off the top of my head. They licensed it to Taito of America for production in the United States and, and the rest of the world. And it was released in 1985, an eight-way joystick, two buttons, amplified mono sound. Uh, so your basic Taito game in the mid-80s. And as with many of the other titles that we've talked about, it's a lot of fun. The graphics are colorful. Uh, the sound is great. And I actually love this game, despite the fact that I sucked horribly at it. Yep, I'm totally with you. I And unlike Clash Road, which was really hard last week, and I didn't enjoy playing it for the longest time, and it finally won me over, and I got kind of good at it, here's a game that I immediately liked, but never got good at. But it didn't matter. Like It, it hooked me right from the beginning. It's really, really fun. There's a certain tongue-in-cheek humor that they pull off really well uh, throughout the game that ties into not just it's not just the cutscenes or or in the credits or anything like that they weave it well into the game and it makes it a lot of fun and as i was playing i i had the the feeling unlike with clash road where i never felt i was going to get any better no matter how many hundreds of quarters i dropped into it that if i practiced and worked at this game i could actually get better and mm-hmm. while i did get better through 
the kind of through the pattern matching technique that we'll talk about. I, I think that if I stuck at this, I could also just get better at the game through my own gameplay techniques. I think so too. I think that's partly because I was enjoying it so much. I realized early on that this is a game I'm going to want to keep playing. It's a game I'm going to play beyond just doing it this week for the show. It could be a new favorite. It could be a game I'd want to play long term. So I think that's why I didn't want to go look up anything because I sort of want to find the techniques and get good at it on my own. Because there came a moment where I finally this week, only twice this happened, but the first time where after crazy numbers of attempts, I finally pinned the first bad guy. (laughs) It must have been like 30 games in and I finally beat somebody like once. And then I went on to the second guy and then got destroyed. But the sense of accomplishment I got by pinning him, going the full three count against the insane warrior was amazing. I was full, you know, fists in the air, just totally thrilled. So I think I don't want to learn like, or sort of a lot of extra techniques because I think I'll enjoy it more if I, if I fight my way to, to finally get to the to the last the last dude it seems that there's five in total i guess there's insane warrior who i saw a lot of and you <laughs> saw a lot of my butt on the ground with my back down and pinned then you fight karate warrior who i faced and lost to twice after that comes coco savage who uh un- unlike the guesses didn't beat me because i never saw him then the piranha i guess it is comes next or the no the Piranaya. Oh, the Piranaya. And then Golden Hulk, which sounds like a Hulk Hogan kind of guy, I guess. But I didn't actually get to see him. I don't know. I don't know what's going to be facing me. I got a little bit further in the game than you did. I got to the point where I could use those pattern techniques to beat the Insane Warrior on a pretty regular basis. I beat Karate Fighter two or three times and then was immediately destroyed by Coco Savage. Uh, What's neat about this game is that each of these characters, each each of the wrestlers that you face have their own moves, their own personality, uh, their own sound effects. And so it feels like uh, it feels like Technos put a lot of effort into the polish on this game. And I think that's one of the reasons that it works as well as it does. And it's super 80. So it's wrestling oh, the way so. I remember wrestling. Because like the wrestling I knew as a kid was the those eras, is the era of the 80s wrestlers. And this is like that. And, it, and like wrestling, it... It takes itself seriously, but in a tongue-in-cheek way. Like, it's a serious wrestling thing, but it's not afraid to have fun, and it's not afraid to go big. I mean, wrestling is all about having the, what are they, the face versus the heel. And and so in this, you're playing the face. You're playing the good guy, and the guys you're up against are, are the heels, are the bad guys. This game won me over. I remember there's a particular moment, though, where the game won me over, and it was relatively early on. It was my fifth or sixth time playing. I had lost four times in a row. I'm still having fun. <laughs> grin on my face. I'm like, oh, I'll do it again. I'll, I'll, I'll beat this guy, because got these funny moves and stuff and i'm being pinned like so he's going for the three count but i know i'll i'll shake him off because it's early and i kind of glance around the screen because you're the way you're playing there's there's the ring in the middle of the screen and then behind you is the audience watching you and then the front there's like a cameraman there's a ref and stuff and i sort of glance up and in the audience i see darth vader and i just like and then i start looking at you see superman you see all these guys and the fact that they did that like just in the audience to have a little darth vader guy just made me chuckle and that moment i got hooked i was like this game is awesome absolutely there are actually a number of cameo appearances i'm looking at the wikipedia entry on map mania and it says superman there's batman and robin zz top oh i didn't see i'm sorry sorry zz top there you go popeye alien from the alien movie stevie wonder (laughs) john travolta the jackson five and the stay puff marshmallow man from ghostbusters this is in addition to 
Darth Vader. Oh, and Leia Organa also shows up. Nice. Excellent. It's so much fun. It's those little, the little touches, the extras, the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, the extra effort that they put into this really, really sent the game, put the game over for me. I, mm-hmm. So here's my little confession. I'm, I'm a huge wrestling fan. I, I was in the 80s. I was in the 90s during the Attitude Era, the WWE, the WCW, blah, blah, blah. I loved ECW. I still have a bunch of their old VC, uh, VHS tapes, the crappy quality ones that were recorded in that that, that hall in Philadelphia uh, where all the ECW <laughs> events. Oh, God, yeah. I could go on and on about this stuff. So I actually love this game a whole lot, and being able to play it like this is a lot of fun for me. Now, it helps that the game is presented like a, a televised uh, wrestling broadcast. When you drop the quarter in, you get the uh, the announcer. I think he's called his name is Corey, and he announces. And who he's you're up against. awesome. He's great. He's so excited. And he points his finger, and it becomes really huge when he points at the screen. I love that moment. Yeah. So it's sort of uh, in a really sort of eighties pixelated way. It kind of feels like you're getting to participate on some level in you know WWE Raw uh, TV show or something like that. I mean, obviously the finish isn't there, but. So you you play your way all the way up through the Golden Hulk, who I think is the he holds the the belt when the game starts, and if you beat him, you get the you get the belt, and there's this little um, this little ceremony, and I haven't seen any of this obviously because I didn't get this didn't get this far at all. But once you do that, then you have to defend your belt, and you play against your, uh, the five previous opponents, at, uh, but you play them at random. I love that they all have their own set of moves and finishing moves and that they're, they have personality and the, the music is great. And the, I even love the, the ref when he's in the ring and he's calling the, the pin on the mat the way he calls it. It's, it's not just a one, two, three. It's a one, two. It's just great stuff. I love this game. It really is. And the thing is, I don't think you have to be a, even a fan of wrestling to like right. enjoy this game. It's Absolutely. just like it's a fun fighter game. But it just with so much more humor and... He's, it's the it's the little things and the moves are fun and you spin a guy around and throw him against the ropes and he'll come at you and just and do the pile driver. It's just it's and and simple controls. It's just a you know single joystick and eight way joystick and two buttons. You basically have a punch and a kick button. And so it's it's simple but too hard for me. <laughs> like <it> just, <laughs> I don't know. I just from game one I liked this game. It just I, I had a smile on my face. Great replay value. Lots of, lots of character. Lots of charm. Lots of humor really fun game like it's, i just love it the one thing that i wish that they had done with with matt mania that they didn't and this wouldn't have affected us at all but matt mania didn't have a simultaneous two-player option in other words if you and i were at the arcade we couldn't take each other on that didn't show up until a later game called matt mania challenge that that would have been fun because yeah this is a game that would that screams out for a multiplayer mode yeah and Matt Mania Challenge was released in 1986, and it had... Oh, so really just like the next year. So I think probably players at the time went, Where, how can I play my friends? And tech, Techno said, well, you can play them like this, and released <laughs> Matt Mania, uh, released, I'm sorry, it's called Mania Challenge. Right. Other than that, I don't have a lot of complaints about Matt Mania, other than that I suck at it. <laughs> I uh... know, but the thing is... <laughs> It, a lot of games you play them and it's just it's so ridiculously hard that it's not fun to suck at them for the mm-hmm. longest time with Clash Road I was doing badly and I didn't enjoy doing badly and I stuck with it because well I'm obstinate here I did badly <laughs> but I had fun doing bad it didn't matter that I lost against the first guy and because it's a wrestling game you get a decent amount of play even if you lose in the first match like I didn't feel like I wasn't getting my quarters worth even when I died against the first guy like it's still it's still fun I love it. I think it's a great game. Now, if you're a big Matt Mania fan already, there is a, actually a Matt Mania community on Facebook that you can join. 
Really? Yeah. There's only 300 and it looks like, yeah, it's uh, 314 likes right now. That's hilarious. Um, the best wrestling game to grace a video hall in history, featuring the Trials of Dynamite Tommy, which is which is the name of your character in this series. Of, uh, like I said, there was uh, Mania Challenge, and I think there were a couple of other titles in the series that were not as interesting or as important. Uh, Matt Mania was combined with Mania Challenge to make Matt Mania Challenge, and that was released in 90 and 91 on the Atari 7800. Mm-hmm. So if you want to play it at home, there's that way. But really, I think MAME is kind of the way you should play Oh, it. sure, yeah. Or you can go out and buy a cabinet. And speaking of that, Carrington, tell me about the cabinet. The cabinet seemed to be much, much more popular as a conversion kit than a standalone cabinet. Like, I've seen a lot of cabinets, but I can't tell what the dedicated original cabinet looked like if there even was one like i can't find anything other than conversion kit stuff so i've seen lots of different cabinets and they all seem to look the same but they come from this conversion kit it was sold for a thousand dollars 9.99 suggested retail price it's good looking stuff like i like the the marquee is really nice and really colorful it's got like this you know great logo but it's got multiple players and just anyway it draws you in because the marquee well it shows wrestling guy it's got one guy got another guy in a headlock it's also got some humor and charm to it because you got so many people in the ring at once and the guy's jumping on them and just you know it's funny and it's got the so exactly so it's it sets the stage and it's got kind of boring bezel but it gives you some instructions which i probably could have could have used and then it seems out in the wild everybody seems to have green control panel but as far as i can tell it was supposed to be blue blue and red so Mm. i don't know why in the wild all the everybody seems to have green ones so maybe there's more than one version or maybe the flyers and the kits i've seen advertising the conversion kit just had the colors wrong or something but i like it it's simple it's an eight-way joystick it's two buttons it's it's kind of straightforward there's nothing unique about the shape of the cabinet because most people just take an old junker cabinets and they're I haven't seen anybody take something. You don't look at it and go, oh, that's Tempest. So it's just everyone I see seems to be a junker cabinet with this stuff attached. There is readily available artwork. So if you want to get reproduction stuff, lots of that available. So it's relatively easy to turn a cabinet into one of these, I guess. But you don't seem to see a lot of originals. In fact, I didn't see any originals come up for sale, junkers or not. And which is funny because it does seem to have sold well and does seem to be quite popular. I'd mentioned that it was written by uh, Technos Japan. It was distributed worldwide by Taito America, but in the United States, it was distributed by a company called uh, Memetron? Memtron? Yeah, they seem to do the, the conversion kit. I think it's pronounced Memetron. Produced and distributed by Memetron here in the United States. So that may have had something to do with the, the green-blue stuff that was going on there. Now, Carrington. Now. It's time. Oh. How'd you do? I did very poorly. How'd you do? <laughs> I did a little better. What was your score? My embarrassing score. The best score. The, the best score I got the whole time. And let's focus on this is actually as good as I did. Was 6,350. Oh, no. I, and honestly, I'm not even in the running. Like, I didn't bother posting anything on Facebook. Like, <laughs> I'm on. It's, that was. And that and funny thing. That score was me against the first guy the two times i beat the first guy and went on to the second fellow i didn't nearly get my high score so it's funny how the scoring seems to change a lot depending on how you do during your matches so matches are timed you have i think what is it three minutes or something per match and the moves that you pull off the the complexity and i think i think there might be i I tried to 
I tried to pay attention to this. I couldn't really nail it down, but I think there might have been some bonus points adding up if you were if you pulled off a nice combo of moves. I'm sure Rob can fill us in on the details of that if I'm wrong. If you use the technique that that I did, um, you can just run the score up until right before the end of the match, pin him, and move on. Clearly, I don't know. I basically bashed buttons, buttons and laughed. The first two wrestlers that you face, uh, it's actually very simple. All you do is throw him into the ropes, and when he runs into you, he falls down. Then you can just pick him up and do whatever you want. As far See, as I, he would run into people a lot of times, so both would fall down because I tried to do something fancy when he runs at me. And oh well, yeah, just let him run into you and then pick him up, and that's. I mean, I'm too macho for that. I, I see. I got to do my sweet moves. Got to get some of that sweet wrestling action. There was another technique uh, that I won't. There's a lot of build up for your score, dude. <laughs> my score was twenty two thousand six hundred fifty. That hurts me. <laughs> I know it feels good to do that. I like hurting. So him. all my scores seem to end in fifty or zeros. It seems to be like the points come in in fifties. I think that's how that works, right? Yeah. So neither of us got the high score though. The default high score, at least the default high score in my setup, was thirty thousand. Yeah, mine too. I didn't. I didn't defeat that. And even if we had beaten that, uh, we would have come nowhere near beating the world record, uh, which was held by somebody called uh, Rack R A C Carpana. And he holds the official record at 5,150,000 points. And I barely got more than 6,000. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I haven't, I haven't done this poorly at a game in a while. Like, I just, I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get the knack. But it didn't matter. I was having such a good, good time. So like you, I played the game more to have fun doing the moves and trying to pin the guy and trying to, you know, kick out before he pinned me and get on to the next wrestler. I didn't actually pay that much attention to the score. This doesn't seem to be a game that rewards you as much with points as it does with progression through the game and allowing you to see these other wrestlers and enjoy their right. personalities and that sort of thing. And yeah. I always tend to prefer those games to the ones where I'm just trying to run the score up as high as I can. Sure. hundred percent. Absolutely agree. Uh, that's why I want to keep playing this game because I do want to see the rest of the people. I want to see who this Coco Savage is. I want to see what Golden Hulk looks like. Well, maybe we have a challenge for, for next Kansas Fest when you and I are there. We'll get the, the Mania Challenge and you and I will play each other. I don't know if I want to have a game that I start off already having a score four times lower than yours. <laughs> but maybe. I, I won't you commit. most of a year to get above 10,000. I don't think you'll make that. but you know, <laughs> I don't think I will either. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> In a couple of versions of the game, here's some trivia for you. There, uh, the the Insane Warrior and Coco Savage, uh, their names were misspelled. Oh! In the original game, the championship holder was Blues Bloody, and as Hulk Hogan became more power, uh, more popular and powerful in the WWF, they changed his name in the game to Golden Hulk. I and I think the guy, the Piranha, is that supposed to be just the Piranha? I think so. I think that's sense, a misspelling but... as well. Yeah. Okay. I didn't actually get to see him, so I don't know. If I see him and he's got, like, a fish head mask. Because um, these are, like, masked bad guys. It's it's the Japanese style, I guess, of wrestling. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. It's I forgot so to mention, the, the whole thing is based on you're, you're a, a wrestler in the Taito Wrestling League. The, the TWA. Uh, the TWA, which obviously is based on, you know, the WWF. And the I don't know if TNA Wrestling was around back then. I don't think it was. Unless you were in Japan, and then then it was the Technos Wrestling Association, also sense. TWA. So right. anyway, That's awesome. I, uh, love the game. Had a great yeah. time playing it. I will be playing this one well into the future. I think definitely highly recommended. I would just just from from game one had a great time. Loved it all the way through. Just, yep. Yeah, great game. I don't think I need my own cabinet because there's nothing special about the controls or anything that you get with get by having the cabinet as opposed to main play. Especially because I can't find like. 
an original original cabinet and how fancy it was supposed to be like maybe it's got an amazing shape but i couldn't find one so i don't know so but i agree i don't think you lose anything by just having this it's a, it takes a vertical monitor so any vertical raster setup is going to look as good and play great so it's more like the kind of thing you add to your main favorites rather than have a, a dedicated cabinet yep yeah, unless you have a ton of space because it definitely is a good game highly recommend this game i agree so what about the next game is it something you would highly recommend only if I can beat you, Carrington. <laughs> Almost certainly you can. <laughs> What's it sound like? Here you go. So I think that wraps up this week's show. With a little bow. Yeah, I had a great time playing the game. Had a great time podcasting with you about it. Absolutely. And thanks to everybody for giving us such awesome feedback. It was a week full of feedback, and that's always fantastic. Love Indeed. interacting with our audience. Indeed. Remember, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com mm-hmm. slash podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at show, or you can send us email at, what is our email address? quarter at monsterfeet.com. That's so we're right. easy to get a hold of, and you can call Mike on his home phone number, Indeed. which is 720-213-6606. Are you making that up? No. Are you editing that out? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Call Mike. Call me. Read messages. And, uh, you know, if they're dirty enough, I might even play them on the air. <laughs> Excellent. Have a good one, Carrington. Fantastic. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. Monster Feet.